Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. So he was given accommodation to John. John wasn't waffling in the faith at the end of his life. He was just wondering, is this it or have I missed it? I don't want to miss it. I don't know about you. I don't want to miss it. We hope you find this message encouraging. heard me say many, many times that uh, whenever we're worshiping and the, and the Holy Spirit comes in, that uh, it's not necessarily the words that we're singing or even sometimes the message that's being preached is what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And uh, thank you, sir. While we were singing that last song, Actually, the one before, whenever James was praying, this is, the Lord just impressed upon me. Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. And you guys know me, I'm a nerd from the get-go. <laughs> and I, I like doing word studies. It just the, it seemed like the Lord prompted me, look up that word cast. Because, you know, we, we tend to think about casting a fishing rod. We're still connected to it. But that word cast means to, to throw off even violently. Zach, I'm going to abuse your water here. Make sure the lid's on it. But sometimes we, we get stuff going on in our lives, and what we want to do is, Lord, I'm, I'm bringing you my troubles. This is, see it, see it, Lord. This is big trouble. And, and Lord, you know how to, how to take care of that, so I'm bringing it to you. And so thank you for taking care of it. And then what we do sometimes is then we, we go talk about it to everybody we know. See my trouble? You see it? This is what's going on in my life. All of this right here. And then we'll go pray about it again. Lord, this is all my trouble. need you to take care of it. But that word means to violently cast off, to throw away. So in other words, whenever we come to the Lord and say, Lord, here's my trouble. It's gone. Why? Because I cast it off. I threw it away, gave it to him. He's big enough to take care of it. Amen. And whenever we got stuff going on in our lives, we don't need to just come and pet it and show it to everybody. We need to throw it away. Amen. And, and, and so, again, big nerd here. The next thing that the Lord put in my, my, in my thought was, we've got this shield called faith. And we've got an enemy that's going to throw trouble our way. Zach's not my enemy, but okay. But he says, if you use that shield of faith that you can ward off all the fiery darts of the enemy. So if we look, if we're looking at that, cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. Then guess what? When the enemy throws something our way, we don't even, we don't even have to pick it up. 
See, the only way the devil can work in your life is through discouragement. We've already got the victory. If we know Christ and we're already saved, sealed, and ready to be delivered to him on that day, amen. But the only way the devil can come in is if, we, if he'll throw something our way and we pick it up to play ball with him. Amen. So don't pick it up. Don't pick that up. Don't. And if you've already got something in your hands, then cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. And that was for somebody here this morning. Somebody say amen. Amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap this morning. Thank you, Zach. Woo. I don't know if it helped you, it helped me. Got a little uh, scripture I want to share with you this morning. John the Baptist uh, was not Baptist. Okay? So whenever we read this scripture, I don't want you to misconstrue that he was a Baptist because there's, there's a lot of people that think that and a lot of people that actually claim that. Well, you know, John was a Baptist after all. Uh, Southern Baptist Convention was a long time from being in uh, form, being formed at this time. John was the baptizer, better way to read it. So John the baptizer, who was in prison at this time, why was he arrested? Because he dared to speak the truth. Amen. So he was in prison, didn't make the leaders happy. He was calling them out on what they were doing wrong. And so he heard about all the things that the Messiah, Christ, was doing. And so he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the Messiah that we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for somebody else? Are you the one, or should we look for another? And you've almost, from our perspective, you've got to say, Look for another? Are you kidding me? But we're going to get into it. We're going to look at it and see what's going on here. Let's pray over the message one more time. Lord, thank you for your word. And I pray that we would have open hearts, open minds to hear what the Spirit is saying to his church. So, Lord, we, we just pray that you would just uh, indelibly write things on our heart. Lord, that we need to know things that we need to do. Your will for our lives and your will for this church, Lord, that's what we're looking for. That's what we're seeking. And we just ask you, Lord, that you'd be involved in all that. And, Lord, that you'd help us in every way. And we thank you, Lord, for doing that. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. So, are you the one? Are you the one that we've been looking for? Or do we seek another? This is John, the Baptist who if you want to do, um, I like doing compilations, okay? Anybody in the Bible uh, that comes up, sometimes I will just take a little, a little time and I'll go and look up every scripture that pertains to them. And it kind of gives you a picture of that person. Sometimes we just get a little snippet here, or a little snippet there, and we don't really understand what's making them tick. But John the baptizer was born in a miraculous fashion, Okay? Uh, we, we know about that, we can read about all that, but as he comes into his own and he understands that he is called basically in the place of Elijah to proclaim the coming of the Messiah. Okay, he goes out into the wilderness and we know that he, he didn't dress according to everybody's plan. Uh, he, he wore camel hair, uh, he ate grasshoppers, just uh, not your average guy. But the one 
clarion call that he had was, make ready the way of the Lord. There's somebody coming very soon that's going to take away the sin of the world and we're not even, I'm not even worthy to unlatch his sandals. And so that's his message. Make, repent, make ready the way of the Lord. And I've, I've actually preached on that before. Are we ready for what the Lord has ready for us? Are we prepared for what the Lord has prepared for us? Because we've got to make ready the way of the Lord. And so John is out there and he's baptizing people for the remission of their sin. That's one of the arguments that people, you know, uh, some of the branches in our family tree will say it's all about the baptism. All about being baptized. You're not saved till you baptize. And I said, well, hey, John was in the wilderness baptizing before Jesus ever came. Uh, what about that? If that was all it was to it, uh, then John was already taking care of business. But whenever Jesus came to him, you can read this in John chapter 1. And see, John already knew him. fact is, they were cousins. They were family. So it wasn't like Jesus was a stranger to him. And one day as John is baptizing people out in the wilderness, uh, Jesus comes. And he sees him pretty far off and he said, Behold the Lamb of God! It wasn't like he whispered it. I mean, it was so much so, if you read the context, that his disciples are like, What's up with John? Well, why is he hollering about this? And Jesus comes to him and says, I need to be baptized. And John perceived all this in his spirit. I'm not even worthy to undo your sandals. You need to baptize me. And Jesus said, I need to be baptized, fulfilling everything that's been prophesied about me. See, he was sinless, but yet he followed through on knowing what was required. And so John baptizes him, and you think, okay, this is good. Jesus gave, I mean, John gave, him, gave Jesus his props, you know. Knowing who he is, and John's going to continue on his ministry. And there's so many things about John that I find so interesting. Before this day comes, whenever Jesus is baptized, um, people in the big city are hearing about John. And they say, what is going on with this guy? Everybody's going out there. He's preaching these hard sermons. He's preaching repent. He's not preaching all this love and my, 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 everything's going to be fine. He's preaching repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And people are following through. They're getting baptized. We better go find out what's going on. And so all the preachers from the big city came out to John and they said, are you the Messiah? And I, I've often looked at this and I've thought about how would we handle that if somebody asked us that question. John's answer was simply, I am not. No further explanation. I've often thought about it. We'd be out there. We'd be, I'm not the Messiah, but let me tell you who I am. Here's my business card. And if you need anything, you give me a call. Amen. That's the way it would happen today. I mean, they, they, you'd whip out a business card and give it to them so quick it'd make their heads spin. This is who I am. I'm John the Baptist. John the Baptizer. You're going to say it just right. I'm John the Baptizer. <laughs> if you need baptism, call on me. So he goes on, and they said, well, if you're not the Messiah, then are you Elijah? I'm not. Or are you one of the other prophets that we've heard about? I am not. 
then who are you? And he uses the scripture out of Isaiah, talking about Elijah, when he came, that he would proclaim, I'm just a voice in the wilderness proclaiming, make straight the way of the Lord. Not once did he even tell him, I'm John. Can you imagine? I mean, here he is, you know, he's got a book deal underway. He's been baptizing people by the hundreds, if not thousands. You know, all this stuff's going on and there's a buzz around him and everything's going on. How could he miss this opportunity to promote himself? And he explains it later on. He says, because he must increase and I must decrease. He's got to get really, really big and I've got to get really, really small. So Jesus came, he proclaims him to be the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He baptizes him, and you think, okay, this is done. This is over. But the next day, John sees Jesus one more time, and he just as loud, if not louder, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world! And this time, John's disciples the people that were helping him, the people that he was teaching, said, there's something up here. We got to go find out. And they leave John and start to follow Jesus. Sometimes we get all busy protecting our stuff, protecting our image, protecting our things, our stuff and things. And we forget about what's really, truly important, and that is that Jesus is Lord. And as a leader, sometimes there's, there's nothing that hurts you more or that grieves your heart more than when you see somebody's back as they go to pursue what God wants for them. Because you'd like to keep them there. And that's where John was. And so here's John, and, and he's now at this particular point because he called Herod out on his marriage arrangement and embarrassed him publicly, essentially. Herod had him thrown in jail, and John's in jail, and he's discouraged. Do you realize, and this just, boy, it just dovetails right into what the Lord spoke this morning. Discouragement is where the enemy will get to us. Here is John the baptizer, the person who just a little while ago said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I'm not even worthy to unlatch your sandals. And now you want me to baptize you? I have need to be baptized of you. And now he says, through his disciples that were left with him, and he sent to Jesus, are you the one or do we seek another? Are you the one? Are you kidding me? The only way that you can look at this and say, how does this even make any sense is because John was discouraged. He realized, I think he was prophet enough that he realized his time was about done. He had already said, I must decrease and he must increase. He's in jail. He's awaiting execution for doing the right thing. Have you ever been persecuted for doing the right thing? I think that hurts worse than anything. It's one thing to be persecuted when you got caught doing wrong or you, or you were not where you were supposed to be or doing what you were supposed to do. That's one thing. 
Another thing is when you were doing exactly what you were supposed to do and you were doing exactly the right thing and persecution comes. And see, Jesus spoke to this. He said, in those end days, you'd be persecuted simply for his namesake, just for being called a believer, just for being called a Christian. And so that's how the enemy works. He comes in, he discourages us, and he, he, he just, it, it drains our energy, it drains our strength. The fact is, on Wednesday nights, we started talking about depression and anxiety. That's, discouragement is a part of that. Not feeling like I, I have any direction in life anymore. And that's where John was here in this prison. Guys, would you go and ask Jesus one more time, are you the one? Or are we looking for another? Have I spent my life and my ministry in vain? Or are you the one? And basically, John was just wanting reassurance. Jesus said of John, of, of men born of women, there has been none greater. So he was given accommodation to John. John wasn't waffling in the faith at the end of his life. He was just wondering, is this it or have I missed it? I don't want to miss it. I don't know about you. I don't want to miss it. And sometimes the enemy comes in and he brings discouragement. He makes us wonder about things that we thought we'd never wonder about. Is God there? Does he hear my prayers? I'm praying and it feels like the heavens are brass. It feels like my prayers are getting about this high and they're falling to the floor. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Same thing that Jesus said on the cross. Discouragement. That's the way the enemy works in. Is this, is this really and truly what I was supposed to do? So, Jesus could have answered that question, are you the one in a myriad of different ways? That's what got me started on this whole thought. How could Jesus have answered that question? Well, first of all, he could have whipped out the God card. You go back and you tell John, I am God in the flesh. I'm going to take care of all this. Everything's going to be all right. Why are you doubting? What's the matter with you? Amen? You ever had anybody whip out the God card on you? You're, you're talking to them about something that's going on. Well, God told me. Da, 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 da. I've said this for years. What do you say after that? God bless you. <laughs> Carry on. Because <laughs> I'm certainly not going to try to trump what God said. So, he could have answered it that way. He could have said, I'm God and you better toe the line, buddy. He could have said, well, you've heard all the things about the coming Messiah and let me begin to open up the word to you. And there's people that'll do that to you. Come go down the Romans road with me and I'll show you exactly why you're lost and undone and need Christ. They already know they need Christ or they wouldn't ask you about anything about the Lord. Amen. Not that there's anything wrong with that. And I, I'm telling y'all, I love to study the word as much as anybody in here. But he could have went back to the very beginning, could have gotten Genesis, the early chapters, and said, whenever 
the Lord spoke and said that there would be an enmity between the serpent and the Lord from now on, and the, the serpent would bruise his heel, but he would bruise the serpent's head. That's talking about me. And let me start right there in Genesis and take you on all through the Word. you got a couple of hours, or maybe four hours, for me to take you through every prophecy that's been given in this word in the book of numbers there shall be a star that shall arise out of jacob uh, that there'll be a a, a a sacrifice that would be made for everybody and all the sin would be taken away let me tell you about all of those things that are going on but he didn't do that so he could have said i'm god you better tell the lie he could have said let me take you to the word and he could have uh, any number of things but he didn't. Fact is, this is how he answered. And he said, go back to John. And you tell him what you have heard and what you've seen. The blind see, the lame walk. The lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the the dead are raised to life, and the good news, the gospel, is being preached to the poor who shouldn't have access to that kind of stuff in the world that they lived in at that time. So he said, go back and tell John, we're not to that one yet, Uh, yeah, there we go. Blind see, lame walk, lepers cured, all that good stuff. And so he said, you go back and tell John exactly what you've heard and what you've seen. In other words, what you've been taught and what you've seen me do. What's more important, what we hear or, we'll change this around a little bit. What's more important, what we say or what we do? Hmm? What you do? Okay, what you do? Boy, I could go 900 different ways right here. <laughs> I've got to keep my mind on my business. <laughs> Sometimes we'll say stuff and we don't do it. Sometimes we say something different than what we do. Okay? That's, some people use the word hypocrite associated with that. A hypocrite is actually from the word hypocrite, which means, in that day and time, a stage actor. In other words, somebody who was acting like something that they weren't. So basically, we become hypocrites whenever we don't do what we're supposed to do. Whenever we're acting differently than who we are. And who are we? We're a child of God. Saved. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Whenever we don't act like that, that's when we become a a hypocrite. Hypocrite was the original word. And so the thing is, what we've got to do is realize that it matters what we say and what we do. But so many times we give ourselves a pass on that. We judge, we tend to judge ourselves on our intentions and we judge others off of their actions. How many times have you ever 
aim to stop and talk to somebody. Maybe it was somebody you were going to talk to about the Lord. Maybe it was somebody you were going to stop and see about. Maybe it was a neighbor. I need to take the time to get a hold of them and, and make sure that they're where they need to be with the Lord. Maybe I, there's somebody I aim to invite to the Christmas program, and then I aim to invite them to the Easter program. But, you know, after all, I'm really busy. We give ourselves a pass because we were really busy. But yet, if it was somebody that you were waiting on to come by and see you or do something for you, or you're hungry and you're waiting for somebody to bring you groceries, what do we do? We judge them off of their actions because they didn't do a thing for me. And we judge ourselves off our intentions. I meant to. Bless God. So there's a huge chasm between what we say and what we do. And again, think about what's more important. Is it what I say or what I do? Jesus gave us an example. He said there was a man that had two sons, and the father asked both of them to help him. This is not the prodigal son one. This is a different parable. But he said, I need your help. And the first son said, I'll be right there, and I'll help you do whatever it is, Pop. And he never showed. And the other one said, Pop, I'm really busy. I got lots of stuff going on and I ain't got time for you. So I ain't coming. But then later he got to thinking about it. This is after all my dad. I I need to go help him. And Jesus questioned to the audience that was listening, which one of those kids, which one of those two sons did the will of the father? The one who placated him with words and said, I'll be right there, just hang on, I'm coming to help you. And didn't show up, or the one that said, I'm not coming, but then later repented and showed up. There's a big tie-in between what we say and what we do. But ultimately, as you answered, it is more important what we do. It's just like, and I'm preaching to you what the Lord laid on my heart. We've got to tie those two things together. We've got to link what we do and what we say, what we say and what we do together in every way. Because see, here's the thing. The gospel message sometimes loses traction because people are not doing what they say they're going to do. Or they're doing what they say not to do. Again, back to the hypocrite thing. You're acting like you're not. How many of you would be sitting here listening to this message and giving a lot of credence to it if you had seen me out at a bar last night with a strange woman? Well, first of all, I would probably be moving a lot more than I normally do because she'd be pot-shotting at me. But do you see what I'm saying? Sometimes we can say all the right things. Yes, I love the Lord. Oh, yes, I'm saved. Oh, yes, I'm just, oh, hallelujah. We get into that Christian speak. Speaking Christianese. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All that good stuff. But we're not acting like it. We're not doing anything with it. And then sometimes it's just the opposite. Sometimes we... Uh, I've said this for a long time. There's lots of people who are teaching wrong things. If you, if you turn on your television to Christian television much, you'll see that there's some people that you just got to say, where on earth did you come up with that doctrine that you're teaching? 
But they're getting traction because they're doing good stuff. They're feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting people when they're in need. And there's just opposite. There's people who are absolutely doing fantastic stuff. And because they're not saying and doing the right things, they're, they're doing the right things, but they're not saying the right things. And so Jesus here answers the whole thing in that, back up to that verse 4. You go back and tell John what you've heard. In other words, what you've heard me teach, what you've heard me preach, and you tell him what you've seen. Now, they had heard about love. They heard about prayer. They heard about being humble. They heard about giving. They heard about baptism. They heard about communion. On and on and on and on. But you know what? They saw Jesus do it too. He was teaching about baptism. And what did he do? He went and was baptized even when he had no need to do it. He was perfect and sinless. What is baptism for? It's, a, it's for the remission of our sins, the outward sign of an inward work. He was God. And yet he submitted himself to baptism. Talked about being humble. And we're, th- you know, I, I'm just thinking he is God. He is the creator of all things. He didn't need to be humble, but what did he do just the night before he died? He bent down and he washed the feet of the disciples. He taught about giving, and when he had nothing, they still gave. Peter Peter came to him and said, we need to give to the the temple tax, was basically what it was, and we don't have anything left in the treasury because Judas done made off with it all. What are we going to do? i go down to the seashore and catch a fish. There'll be a coin in his mouth and put that in for us. Amen? So he he, he tells John, you go back and tell your disciples, or he told his disciples, you go back and tell John what you've heard and what you've seen. So our loudest witness, our greatest thing that we can do, the best thing that we can do in this world is tie our belief and our behavior, what we've learned and what we do together. That everywhere we go and everything that we do, that they can see the Lord through us. That we are a reflection of what he's doing in us. That whenever we hear it from the Lord, that we're ready to carry it out. We're ready to do it. And the way that we do that is, first of all, and the biggest thing is love. With no reserves. That we've got to, we, folks, we've got to make a difference in our world. Time is running short. If you look at all the signs of the time, it's not going to be long. And we've got to make a difference in our world. We have got to get out there and not only say good things, not only say, yes, we care about whether people go to heaven or not. I talked about this a few Sundays back. You remember when I had the goldfish up here and had three goldfish in there? Oh, we say we're concerned about people going to hell. And we want, to, we want people to be saved and everything, but yet we don't do anything about it. Is your neighbor saved? Is the person two doors down? Do they know the Lord? Does the person that you work with that's always so hard to get along with, that you know that one. And if the person you're sitting next to is hard to get along, don't look at them. Don't look at them. 
What we say and what we do. What we say and what we do. That is what will change our world. Saying what we mean, meaning what we say, doing what the Lord tells us to do, and everything that we do. And yes, sometimes that's hard. I'm not even painting a little bit of a picture that that's easy always. Sometimes it's the toughest thing you'll ever do is just to walk across the room and ask somebody, do you know Jesus? Thank you.